Here's the million dollar question. How do men like us reach our full potential and grow into the men we dream of being while taking care of our responsibilities, working, being good husbands, fathers, and still take care of ourselves? That's the question. This podcast will help you with those answers. My name is Brent and welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. Welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for all things man, husband, and father. My name is Brent, and today my special guest is Sathya Sam of Unleash the Man Within Podcast. Sathya is not just a podcaster, but a coach, a speaker, and an author. Sathya, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Great to be here, and you pronounced my name right. Well done. You nailed it. <laughs> like I said, give me some time. I'll blow it later in the show, I promise. <laughs> so, Sathya, it's great to I'm, be here, man. I am a horrible podcast hostess and I don't actually introduce my guest because I get all this time before the show to research you and find out who about who you are. But the reality is people don't care about accolades or, you know, I, I can post all that, but what people really want to know is who is Sathya Sam and why are you here today? Yeah, I appreciate that question. I mean, I, I think what it really boils down to is I'm just radically devout to helping men. Um, I think men are, we actually talked about this before we hit record, men are under attack in our society today. Um, men are terribly under-resourced and, and unreached. And as a result, they're underperforming. And I see a lot of men in the world who have dreams, uh, callings on their lives, who have passions and purposes that are going unmet or unfulfilled because of issues in their lives. And um, I made it my call, I guess my responsibility to help them work through those issues. And uh, arguably, the biggest issue that exists today is um, in the area of sexuality and typically with pornography, uh, masturbation, affairs, uh, buying sex, all that kind of misbehavior. So I have put it on my shoulders to help guys in this area specifically. So in a nutshell, that's a little bit about kind of what I'm about and why I feel like I'm on this planet these days. Now, here's the deep question of the show. This is the one that stumps everybody. What is your favorite kind of ice cream? Oh, that's easy. Chocolate chip cookie dough. Chocolate chip cookie dough. Is it a specific 100%. brand or all chocolate chip cookie dough? Um, wow. No, I don't have a specific brand, actually. Anything chocolate chip cookie dough, I'm in. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I got to say that's first. I actually have a long running list of like all of my guests, you know. That's the first time? That Come is on, the first the time I've got flavor. chocolate chip cookie. I've gotten some really odd flavors, man. Uh, yeah? Especially from our brothers and sisters over in Australia. Burnt fig oh, and almond. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, neither did I. So, <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Apparently, it's some gourmet thing in Sydney, uh, Australia. Okay. They didn't. They didn't want like. Is it Vegemite or Marmite? Have you had that stuff before? <laughs> it's like that really salty spread. Yes. It was. Oh, it's so gross. I'm not sure how anybody likes that. I know, but I would leave it to them to put it in a in an ice cream. But what do I know? I'm the only guy who ever said chocolate chip cookie dough. So apparently, I don't know what I'm talking about anyway. So. Question, are you a native of Canada and now you just transplanted to Jamaica or? Yeah, so I'm, I'm born and raised in Yeah, okay. So um, I'm born and raised in Canada, uh, based out of Toronto, Ontario. My wife is Jamaican. Since we got married, which is about two and a half years ago, she's been begging me to move to Jamaica for some extended period of time, which is not a hard sell for me. Uh, but logistically, there's obviously some things that come with that. And um, I was fortunate to make the transition to doing deep clean full time within the last year. The pandemic is actually what kind of um, skyrocketed everything we were doing here and everything's online. So so anyways, the opportunity came for us to come to Jamaica for the winter 
And uh, for any of your listeners who are maybe Northern America or in Canada, uh, you know how crazy you'd be to pass up an opportunity like that. You guys included. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> so yeah. So we seized the day and uh, we moved to Jamaica here for the winter. So we're here. We're just here for about six months. Okay. So I'm from central Washington state. So it oh, is yeah, uh, okay. like 30 degrees outside right now. Dude. Yeah. It's 30 <laughs> Celsius here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you brought up right into my next question. So Share with us, tell us a little bit about Deep Clean. Okay, so Deep Clean is basically a, a systematic process for helping guys overcome pornography. But I think probably to be a little bit more specific, we actually focus on helping guys resolve the root issues that cause a problem with pornography. I mean, it's no secret that, you know, porn is, is becoming very prevalent in our society. Uh, some of your listeners probably don't have a conviction about it. They just think it's normal and it's fine. We could get into why that might be a problem. But I would say a majority of people that I know that watch porn don't actually want to, or they certainly don't want to watch it to the degree that they do. And a lot of the solutions out there are internet filters. They're very behaviorally centric, which is not, it's not, they're not terrible, but they rarely elicit long-term results. And so in my own personal journey and in the guys I've worked with, we just found that when you get a little bit more underneath the surface, you can identify some of the underlying motives, some of the needs, maybe some traumas from the past that are contributing. If you can resolve those things, the behaviors take care of themselves. And that's really what we're all about. We're just about helping those guys identify the root issues, resolve them, and then move on with their lives and do the incredible things that they're called to do. And for all of our listeners, let's, uh, since you can't see the screen, if you're not watching this on the video, if you listen on our podcast, people, and we love you guys, SatheaSam.com is his site. It's called Deep Clean, and it's a site dedicated to helping men resolve their issues with porn and build a healthier relationship and get free from that addiction. But the website is www.satheasam.com. So don't go search Deep Clean. Go to his website yeah. instead. Like I said, I, I was doing research for the show, and you, you had a brilliant podcast on this. But how do you respond to someone who doesn't think porn is an issue? Yeah, I mean, I think the question is, it's not an issue to who, you know, it's really interesting because porn, watching porn is actually a very self-focused behavior, which I, I don't think anybody would deny, like who, who watches porn. I think for starters, what people don't realize is that there's a whole industry built around this and the industry is nasty. I'm actually good friends uh, with two former adult performers, a male and a female, so you kind of see both sides of it. And the kind of conditions that they were employed in were absolutely horrendous. We, we wouldn't want the scum of any, whoever you think the scum of the earth is, you would not want them to be in these environments. They, they're horrible. I mean, they, they manipulate you, they coerce you, they have you do things that you wouldn't want to do so you can get your paycheck. Uh, most of them are on drugs just to make it through the scenes. To, to film a 20 to 25 minute porn video takes about four to eight hours. So you can even just imagine what's required of the male body to just be able to kind of flick on and be ready to go for a scene. These are like inhumane conditions. And so when you are watching porn, you're actually supporting a, a multi-billion, uh, probably one day a trillion dollar industry that is literally degrading the human souls of both men and women around the world. There's also a lot of exploitation that goes on, a lot of child pornography, a lot of underage performers, and uh, tons of trafficking. So that, that's sort of just the one side of it of like, here's why you should not engage with porn, period. Like, let's get you out of the equation, whether or not you think it's right or wrong. 
like anybody with a, a half a human heart, I think could identify that those are not things you want to really be supporting. The biggest lie you can believe on the consumer side is that watching porn only affects you. The reality is there is nothing in this life that only affects you. Anything that affects you also affects the people around you. It affects your loved ones. It affects the strangers that you see on the street and the people you work with and that you serve in whatever it is that your role in this society might be. And so when you watch porn, you are engaging in a behavior that is actually destructive to your own well-being. It's, uh, we can... We could tease apart the morality part of it, uh, but porn takes an effect on the, the brain. It affects people's emotional well-being and their physical bodies. All these things are, are scientifically proven. And so when you degrade yourself or you engage in something that's actually you think maybe is really beneficial for you, you think it spices up your sex life, it allows you to take the edge off. Uh, in reality, what it's doing is it's eroding uh, your mental well-being and your internal capacity. And in the process, everybody around you is impacted. So in a nutshell, those are at least some of the things that come to mind right away of why pornography is so destructive. And if you think it's okay, uh, I hope you'll at least consider some of these things we're mentioning here because it, it's really not. And guys, you need to uh, go over to Sophia's podcast. He did an entire episode on that and went in depth about how it reflects in relationships and how it affects those. Even when it's consensual in a relationship, he went into deep effect on how that impacts a marriage and how it impacts a relationship. So for to go deeper on that, please go to his podcast and check out that episode specifically on uh, how to answer somebody who thinks that porn is not a problem. Yeah. Now, I was listening to your podcast and like I said, before we started rolling, I absolutely love your intro. It's just... You know, from one <laughs> podcaster to another, I'm, I'm super jealous. I got to up my game now. But you say that there are two kinds of addiction. There's substance addiction and process addiction. Can you yeah. clarify that for our listeners? Because I had never heard that before. That, that was new for me. Yeah, th I, this is actually going to become a much more prevalent subject in the next 30 to 50 years, just with the direction technology has gone in. Uh, substance addiction is what we all think of when we hear the word addiction. It's drug well, it's drugs and alcohol primarily. It, it is some sort of specific substance that is consumed that the person gets addicted to and they will do anything, they will pay any price to get their hands on the substance. A process addiction or is actually known as a behavioral addiction. And so it's not that you're addicted to something material, you're addicted to the engagement in some sort of activity. And historically, the most common process addiction has been gambling, in 2010 to 2013, somewhere in that area, video game addiction became a recognized diagnosis. And um, it's my belief that probably in the next decade or so, we're going to see porn addiction become a qualified diagnosis for psychiatrists as well. Uh, all of these things would fall under process addiction. They are the addiction to a behavior as opposed to a substance. Okay, so I'm, I actually uh, had a lengthy conversation with Dr. Christian Heim on uh, video game addiction. Uh, yeah. he's a psychiatrist out of Australia and we, we had a great conversation because like I can actually attest to, I, I played world of Warcraft. Are you familiar with the game? Oh yeah. 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 Wow. It was a, a huge thing, man. Okay. So I got into world of Warcraft right after it started. Well, there's a command you can type that is slash played and it will tell you exactly how long you played that character. By the time I quit, I realized I had lost three years of my life in time to that game. Holy I didn't think I had wow. a problem. I didn't think that it was an issue. I had actually seen a friend lose his business over his addiction to this game. And I mean, I played for probably eight years. 
But over that eight years, I conceded three years of my life to that game. And I had no idea I lost that kind of time. That uh, is wild, man. Wow. Yeah, when I, I added it up between my characters and found that, figured out how much time I lost, it was like, delete. I'm done. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I cannot believe I lost that. So I, I can absolutely see how, you know, I like that that was a, finally recognized as an issue. I think we're going to be hard pressed to get porn addiction called an addiction or an actual issue because that's uh-huh. going to cut into a, you know, billion dollar industry. As you were saying, it's, it's, it's a huge, huge gargantuan machine. There's a yeah. lot of money on the table and people are not easy to give that up. I saw on the Joe Rogan podcast, he was talking to a guest and she was like, there is no evidence and no clinical proof that porn is an addiction. And Joe yeah, Rogan was I saw like, that episode, uh, yeah. you you should talk to some of my friends because they would disagree. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's a legitimate thing. I actually got to talk to Matt Sinkovitz. I don't know if you know him. He runs oh. a uh, men's porn recovery support group on Facebook. Oh, uh, cool. Excellent gentleman. I had him on on last season. And I was just in awe doing research for that show because I was really started to dig into research on the pornography industry and the numbers behind that and what all is involved and was horrified at what I discovered. People have no idea. You were talking about how long performers have to function for those scenes. Yeah. I, I started reading on how they do that. I, I had nightmares after that. I was just like, there, there oh, are injections and needles going places that they should not go ever. It's, it's wild, man. It's wild. And actually there's like, I mean, you could keep going with some of the stats, like, I'll, what, I just read a book recently um, called The Penis Book. It's got a big eggplant emoji on the cover uh, <laughs> written by a guy named Dr. Aaron Spitz, who's one of the world's leading urologists. He shares about how in his practice today, one of the most common procedures he gets asked to perform is male enhancement surgery because guys are watching porn. That's their first exposure to sex. That's where they're learning. This is what sex is. This is what it's supposed to be like. And this is what you're supposed to look like. And they feel like they can't measure up. So they go into his office They request the enhancement surgery and he says, hey, no problem, but let me just, you know, fill you in on a couple of stats, a couple of things you may want to know. And one of the things he shares with them is the actual average male length of like for male genitalia. And when he finds or when they find out about it, he says 80% of the people who come in turn down the operation, but they just didn't know because porn, porn is programming our society now for what a man should be, uh, what sex should be like. And everything that comes with it. And so you have you have guys who are feeling so insecure to the point that they are willing to get that operation on their own appendage because they just simply are, they don't know any better. They don't think they measure up. Another really interesting stat that's probably worth mentioning uh, for your audience, just thinking about kind of who we're talking to today. In 2001, the prevalence of erectile dysfunction among men under the age of 40 was 5% which is exactly what you would expect. Like guys under 40 are in the prime of their sexual lives, so to speak. ED should be the least of their worries. Today in 2021, in that same demographic for men under the age of 40, ED is showing up as high as 33%. One in every three guys you meet under the age of 40 is either currently struggling or has struggled with erectile dysfunction. Wow. And the increase started in 2001 because that was the rise of the internet. That was the internet age. Right. Um, and then it really accelerates in 2007, which was the release of the smartphone. 
And so again, you have to read between the lines a little bit to connect the dots here, but it's no secret that porn is programming our minds so much so that it's actually affecting our own performance in the bedroom. And sometimes it's driving guys to, you know, get operations and feel like they have to, you know, enhance their own bodies when actually they're, they're fine just the way they are. They just don't know any better. I read some absurd number when I, before I talked to Matt and it was like 63% of the usage of the average cell phone is porn or, or something. Wow. I don't remember exactly what the, the number was, but when I came across it, it was like, so basically, you know, seven out of every 10 people are using their phone to just look at porn. That's, that's the main purpose of their cell phone. That's um, wild. Yeah. It just blew my mind. It's like, wait, what now, you know, I, I've spent, I was in the military. I worked construction for years. You know, I, I know guys are, you know, watching porn on their phone, right. From time to time. But I thought yeah. it was from time to time. I didn't realize it's like, Oh, look, this is the reason the person has a, you know, iPhone 13. Cause Gotta have that high, high resolution, right? Seriously. I actually just interviewed a guy on my podcast who's in the military. We worked with quite a few guys um, who are in the military over the years. He talked about how like in the men's bathroom, there was just a big bottle of lotion there. Like it was just kind of understood that like, this is what you do. Guys are exchanging videos and sending each other links and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not singling out the military because this happens in locker rooms. Right. This happens at, in people's homes, at parties, you know, wherever it is. It, it really, it's become uh, such commonplace that we, we almost don't realize that we're plagued by an epidemic. Like it's, it's really, um, it's a huge problem. I, I know in uh, my barracks, there was a, a stack of, you know, porn rags on the back right. of every toilet. You, I mean, Jeez. you go room to room and there was just a stack of porn mags. Cause back then that's the, you know, that's the way you got porn was in magazines. Unless yeah. you, you know, happen to have enough money to buy it otherwise. <laughs> But yeah, it was just prevalent. And I know uh, when my brother-in-law was deploying, the U.S. military was actually issuing flashlights to soldiers going overseas to discourage sexual assault and stuff like that on bases by giving men oh. masturbation devices. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, it's that's that's apparently wild. a thing, right? Yeah, that's actually that's actually a great example though of like you have. I would say really good intentions, which is like, we don't want sexual assault happening on base or while these guys are deployed, which makes perfect sense. Right. It puts them under the, huge the, amounts of stress. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You're, and you're disconnected. You're in a completely different environment and a very, mind you, a very rigid and intense environment. But it's interesting because that solution is, again, very behaviorally oriented. It doesn't, it doesn't give people a place to to, I don't know, de-stress, right? To, to process some of the stuff that they're seeing and experiencing, to find meaningful connection while they're, you know, disconnected from their family and everything else. Uh, a great example, actually, of how it, it is human nature to solve a behavioral problem uh, with a behavioral solution, when in reality, there's always something underlying that causes problematic behavior. And I, 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 like I was saying before, I, I think the only way you resolve those things is by getting underneath the surface, resolving them there, and then the behavior will take care of itself. So that's really interesting. Well, that brings us to my next question. And, you know, I will, I read that in the military times. I talked to soldiers who claimed it was happening. You know, I can't prove 100%, but according to the military publications I read and the soldiers I had talked to, that was happening. But that brings us to my next question. And it really stuck out in your last podcast. You were talking about addiction 
starts in one or two places. And I love the fact that you dug into the start of addiction, not just porn addiction, but addiction in general. Can you talk yeah. about that a little bit? Yeah, all addiction really starts usually with pain or the lack of intimacy or lack of connection. So pain is by far the biggest driving force. The reality of life is we all experience pain and some of us are taught better ways to handle it than others. So uh, you can't really tell when you're young. Maybe you can tell a little bit. By the time you re reach adult life, it becomes very apparent who has learned how to handle pain well and who has not. And addiction is probably one of the easiest ways that people can uh, deal with their pain because uh, whatever the substance or the behavior it is, it's going to offer you one of two things. It is either going to numb and suppress the pain or it is going to provide for you temporary relief. And either way, one of those things is going to be beneficial and it's going to give you some sort of medication for the pain that you experience in your life. And uh, the guys that we work with, it's it's fascinating because you you have the initial conversations. Okay, why do you want to join a program? What's the story here? What's your situation? We really believe in getting to know people and, and making sure they actually fit in what we're doing because otherwise, if they're not, we don't mind sending them elsewhere because there's lots of good programs out there. But, you know, in that interview, usually the, the answers are, you know, well, I, I need to find a way to control my temptations and there's a lot of lust in my heart. I haven't figured out how to deal with it. And I need to have a little bit more self-control, a bit more discipline and willpower. It's all very kind of behavioral, very externally focused. But when you really start to get down to the nitty gritty of it, as they go through a program and we help them start to kind of become aware of these root issues, it becomes apparent, oh, there's some, there's some major pain going on here. There's some things that happened from the past uh, that we're still medicating even as an adult. Uh, sometimes it's, it's more recent pain. It's the, it's the frustration. I mean, COVID was a huge source of pain for people, uh, you know, loss of loved ones, loss of job, loss of finance, loss of just regular interaction with people, loss of giving hugs, you know, and handshakes, things that we took for granted. All of these things cause pain. And if we don't have healthy ways to handle pain, then we will resort to unhealthy things, things that are convenient, things that offer the short term temporary relief. And without knowing it, we kind of provide ourselves a gateway into a more addictive kind of pattern. And so that, that is really the basis and the crux of pretty much all addiction. And porn addiction is certainly no exception to that. I like, so we'll get into your book farther in the second half of the show, but I, I love in chapter two that you said at Deep Clean, you guys focus on addressing the things that you can control. And you have this yeah. great diagram in your book. And guys, I'll have links for the book in the description and in the show notes. You start with ownership of what you can control. And you have this nice diagram about your own thoughts, your own feelings, your own emotions. I like that you are approaching this with a ownership mentality. Mm -hmm. That you guys are digging into. You have to own what's going on in your life. You have to own who you are and everything behind you for you to have power over something that is getting the best of you. Yeah. So I, I think that's incredibly insightful and, and an incredible approach moving forward with what you're trying to do at Deep Clean. Well, yeah, it's sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to no, cut you go off. Ahead, go I, ahead. I, it's, it's paramount. The, and the reality is whether we're talking about addiction recovery or, or something else, if you want to grow as a man and if you want to make any kind of improvement in your life, you have to take ownership for it. Our, our operative phrase in Deep Clean is that a mistake made once is a mistake. You know, your exposure to pornography, um, the thing that kind of got you started on this journey, 
a mistake made once is a mistake, but a mistake made twice is a choice. And so you can, you can kind of acknowledge like, yeah, maybe I fell into this a little bit haphazardly. It was kind of an accident and whatever, but to, to reach the point where you're addicted, to reach the point where you have this problem in your life, you made some choices along the way. And if you're not willing to own them, that's fine. But like, we encourage you to go find another program that's willing to work with you. Cause we won't like, it, unless you acknowledge you're part of the problem, you cannot be part of the solution. And that's a very, that's a really hard thing for a man to own. Like it's not easy for men to say that like we're in the wrong, we made a mistake, we know that we're responsible here, yet it is actually the marker of a true man is he owns his stuff. He takes ownership for it, a responsibility for it, even when maybe he's not fully responsible. He's willing to bear the brunt of it and say, okay, I'm going to be a part of the solution here. I'm going to clean up this mess. And um, that that's the first layer of our principle stack. That's what you're referring to there in chapter two. Mm-hmm. And it, it is paramount for anybody to make progress because as long as you blame something externally, you are actually completely powerless to affect any change. As long as something external is the cause of your issues, you can't do anything about it. It's beyond your control. So we want to always focus on the things that are actually within our arena of control because that is where we can actually affect change and ultimately bring transformation. And really, it's the only it's the only way people guys get Pardon me. It's the only way guys get free of porn or anything else in their lives. We're, we're going deep on this show, guys. I guarantee it. <laughs> so are, are you familiar with uh, Jocko Willing's work on extreme ownership? Have you read that book? No, actually. No, I recognize the name, but I haven't read the book. It's uh, something that I've, I've shared with my listeners on the show before. And uh, I actually have a bookmark. I, I bookmark my guest books are books I recommend on various videos on my website. So I actually got asked here on one of my live streams, like, do you have like a consolidated space where you like all the books you've recommended or talked about on your shows? Oh, I should do that. Cause I've, I've recommended a lot of books. One of the ones I talk about a lot and it's Jocko Willings, the Navy SEAL or used to be a Navy SEAL and had a lot to do with what was going on in the assault in Iraq and Ramadi and, uh, one of the big instrumental players in uh, like the movie American American Sniper. That yes. was that was one of his guys. Wow, uh, he was okay. he was running the unit that that guy worked for, Bruiser. But he talked about this principle of extreme ownership that him and his co commander worked with, and it, it takes that extreme ownership to a whole nother level. You you should check into the book. Uh, I think it runs right along with what you guys are talking about. Sounds um, like it, yeah. Guys, we are getting deep in this show. We're not even staying with the fluff. We talked briefly about who Sithera is. But in the second half of the show, we're going to dig even deeper. We're going to also discuss Sithera's... See, I told you I blew the name. <laughs> new book and how you can start taking control back of your life if this is something you struggle with, guys. You are not alone in this. But right now, we're going to roll to our sponsor. And we will be right back with more from Sithera. I'm calling on all men right now to stand up and stand against this horrific crime. It is estimated that over 300,000 children are being sex trafficked in the United States alone every single day. I want you to get on your social media. I want you to follow savinginnocence.org or fightforme.net. Both of these charities are working to end child trafficking in the United States and abroad. You can donate at www.thefallibleman.org com slash shop and buy our inhuman trafficking merchandise and all proceeds will be 
given indefinitely to savinginnocence.org. You can also go to www.savinginnocence.org slash donate and donate directly to Saving Innocence. Men, it is time for us to fight and stop this horrible thing known as human trafficking. Guys, welcome back. We're here with Sophia Sam discussing porn addiction. And moreover, guys, we're discussing the way that you lose, can lose control of your life on things you didn't even realize were a problem, or maybe you didn't think it was a problem. Sophia works in counseling and helping men recover from porn addictions and deal with porn in their lives. And we have dug deep. And if you missed the first half of the show, you need to go back and dig into that because we didn't even start out light, guys. We got right into it. So be sure and hit that. Go back if you missed it. But as we move forward, Sophia, I got to ask you an important question here. What purchase of $100 or less in the last year did you make that's had the biggest impact on your life? Wow, what a great question. Um, actually, I, ha- I have the answer to that one. Um, for sure, it's my podcast, Mike. So um, you've been listening to my podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that um, we release five episodes every week. Um, so we go pretty hard on the podcasting yeah, thing. And um, yeah, and I mean, this thing is what allows me to do all the coaching all the podcasts and everything that I do from Jamaica. And um, that's coming pretty close these last six months while we've been here. So 100% my podcast mic. What kind of mic do you use? Let me ask. Um, I got a, a Blue Yeti. So actually, I think it's a, it's a little bit more than 100 bucks. So I, I hope that's okay. But yeah. yeah. That, that's okay. We, we fudge depending on, on the reason. <laughs> As a fellow right. podcaster, I, just, I like to ask because I have a couple different microphones I use. So I, oh, haven't, nice. I cool. haven't tried the Blue Yeti, but uh, I'm always curious. Yeah, it, it's good. I mean, it, it's a it's a diverse mic for sure. It definitely gets the job done. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So, <laughs> with in your experience in helping men and coaching men, why is it most people can't successfully stop their porn addictions on their own? I think I think the main reason is they don't know why it's there in the first place. You know, they've had this this problem. They, I kind of mentioned this earlier, like they think they just need some more willpower. They think they just need a little bit more of a, a stronger filter that they can't get around. You know, they, they, it's, all those, it's all these sort of surface level solutions. Mm-hmm. And then when you ask them like, okay, when you, ha- and when you think about your most recent slip, the last time you watched porn, what were some of the thoughts going on in your head? And it's like, oh, well, you know, I just thought I had the thought of like seeing somebody naked and I decided to pursue it. It's like, okay, no, I get that, obviously. But like, what about before that? What, what, what was the series of thoughts that led there? Well, I was on my phone, I was scrolling. And it's like, okay, were there any emotions at play? Were you, were you upset about anything? Did anything stressful happen that day? No, I don't think so. And it's, it's sort of that negligence of the internal life that really stops guys from actually figuring out why they are engaging in a behavior in the first place. And I mean, I really mean it when I say, whether we're talking about porn or, or social media usage or compulsive checking of your email um, it could be just about anything like eating. There's always a reason. And I think that's what really stops guys. And I would say the other thing that really prevents guys from getting the help they need is, is they're too afraid to actually admit that porn is a part of their lives and that they might need some assistance with it. It's a really, I mean, watching porn or struggling with porn rather is a very shame filled experience. You feel so bad about yourself and you, you know, you shouldn't be doing it, but you continue to do it. And um, that shame is enough to kind of keep a man chained down, tied down, not really getting the help he needs. Um, and then the idea of having to talk to somebody about it is just, it's such a stretch of the imagination. Uh, because like I said, it, it, it really, it, it means that it's true, you know, and it means that now somebody else knows about it. 
And so I get why guys are hesitant to do it. But at the same time, I see them shooting themselves in the foot by not talking to other people about it because that's really the only way you actually break free. Let's carry that into common mistakes people make trying to get free from porn. Okay. So other than kind of the two things I mentioned, so the, the, the two classic mistakes are focusing on the external part and doing it alone. I come from a, a religious background. I would say that most of the people I work with are also like of a faith-based nature, not exclusively by any means. But um, one thing that happens a lot in faith-based communities is people will over-spiritualize it. That it's, it's always an attack from the enemy. It's always the devil that's kind of trying to wreak havoc or whatever. The devil um, made me do it. The devil made me do it. Yeah, exactly. Which, of course, like that ties into some of the uh, ownership that we were talking about earlier. But, you know, I think that's a huge one. And the, the problem with uh, people who over-spiritualize it usually is their solutions are to pray more, which unfortunately, these are messages that they hear in church as well. Is you just need to pray more, fast more, get in the, in the Bible more. It's all that kind of stuff. It, it really doesn't go a very long way. It, again, it, these are solutions that are just not dealing with the transformation of the heart. And so I think that's, that's what really holds people back. And the other thing, and we did touch about this, but the other big thing is people really, they like blaming external circumstances. I mean, I like doing that too. I, I did it for the first 10 years or so of my addiction. And I think kind of coupled with that is I told myself I could stop when I wanted to. Or I also told myself that when I was in a sexual relationship, then I wouldn't have to worry about porn because I'd be getting the real thing and I would never turn to porn. And all of those things turned out to be lies. So I think uh, a lot of people just, they, they delay their recovery. They delay taking any ownership and any action on the issue because they're waiting for something external to resolve it. That is really detrimental to their long-term success. Yeah. As a fellow preacher's kid, I, uh, I, completely recognize and understand what you're talking about with the religious communities because they're wonderful things, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm, I'm a deep believer, but praying more didn't get me to quit smoking. Like, like I was addicted to cigarettes for years, um, yeah. smoked, smoked and smoked and, and I tried to quit and I tried to quit and I tried to quit being told I needed to read my Bible more or pray more never once actually helped me. Uh, yeah. did my faith in God help me deal with the struggle as I'd moved in a positive way to start quitting? Yes. Once I actually found why I chose that I needed to quit, why I needed to leave that behind and had a reason that moved me enough to want to take action. Yeah. And yes, having a relationship with God was actually very helpful in dealing with distress because I smoked mainly as a reaction to stress. And so mm. that was, that was instrumental, but I had to get to my why and find that need in myself that made me want to do something. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, prayer, prayer was beneficial at that point, but of course, until I found that need myself to get better, it, it was not praying more or reading my Bible more was not going to change the habit I had developed. 100%. And I mean, the, the, the funny thing is like, it's not like the solution to quit smoking is to get rid of stress, like just learn to live a stress-free life. Mm -hmm. Like, as you said, like stress was what was causing it. No, your responsibility was just to come up with a better way to manage your stress. And that, that might be where a, a prayer life comes into play and, and reading scripture and, and building that kind of depth of relationship with God. That can go a really long way 
to resolving your stress and having a better outlet. But you're right. Like it's, if you just kind of slap on some spiritual disciplines and a couple fasts here and there and stuff, it's not really going to do the trick, whether it's smoking, porn, or, you know, anything else. Absolutely. And guys, if you're getting something out of this, we're covering some really deep ground here. A, no, you're not alone. Do not be ashamed. Okay. If you need help, seek help, seek support so that you can take control of your life again. But while we're getting into this, guys, help me out. Click that like button wherever you are. Leave us a review. It helps us continue to make shows like this. It helps us get to have these conversations and bring them to you. I can't keep talking to people like Sathea without the help from you guys. Just taking the time to share these videos with someone who needs it, to share the podcast with someone who needs to hear it, or is maybe struggling with something without you guys just sharing it. That's, that's the greatest thing you do for us. So please share this with somebody who can benefit, who maybe needs some comfort or some direction or some answers right now. So Thea, in one of your podcasts, you were talking about the idea that novelty enhances pleasure, which ends up leading people down some darker and darker paths that they, they were probably never going to go to start with. But the mm-hmm. longer they're involved, the deeper they get into this addiction, it can actually take you some places that you're ashamed of, that you're embarrassed of. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So the, the crux of addiction is, you know, whether you're talking about alcohol or you're talking about sex, you're not actually addicted to the substance. You're not actually addicted to the behavior. What you're actually addicted to is what's next. That's what makes addiction. It is that we become addicted to that next hit, that next video, that next dose, whatever it might be. That addiction to what's next, because it's the driving force of addictive behavior, it naturally leads us to novelty. One of the markers of addiction is that you experience desensitization or a tolerance that gets built up over time. The the same cigarette that you had at every smoke break is no longer enough. So you have a second one and that, that is a novel experience. It's a double dosage and the novelty of it enhances the pleasure of it. Now that's dangerous for two reasons. Number one, um, the increase in pleasure makes it more memorable for your brain. Your brain remembers what is pleasurable because it wants to repeat it. And secondly, that novelty or that curiosity will continue. It, your, your brain learned, hey, when we explored something new, this was actually pretty cool. So two cigarettes is going to do it for a while and then you'll build up that tolerance and then it'll be three cigarettes and then it'll be four. And if you translate this into a porn context, sometimes it is viewership length in the sense that um, the person is maybe they they start out just watching a a couple images here or there and then it's a couple videos and then it's a couple movies, you know, like it's that kind of progression of length. But what is actually more common is the, the nature of the content starts to become more brash and more extreme. So it may start off with softcore porn, and then it kind of evolves into hardcore porn. And uh, hardcore today is like nothing compared to some of the content that's out there. There's bestiality. There's a lot of. There's a whole category that is basically devoted to like uh, violence and you know sadism and and all that kind of stuff. Sorry, sadism and masochism, like all kinds of just really extreme content. That when you started watching softcore, you'd say. I would never check out that stuff, but you built out desensitization over time. So that forced you to seek some novelty because novelty enhances pleasure. 
And along the way, one thing leads to another. And if it persists over time, you find yourself engaging in content that even you are revolted by, yet it's the only way that you can get the hit because you have built up such a tolerance to all the other things that at one point were considered novelties, but now they're just considered normal, ordinary, mundane, and not really doing the trick. And this is the danger of the, the variety and the volume of pornography that exists in today's world is that you can actually get just about anything that you want, however you want, whenever you want. And um, that's only going to increase in the days ahead. And it's all the more reason to be aware that just because something is, uh, you know, piquing our curiosity, just because something's pleasurable doesn't mean it's actually good for us. And we have to monitor our brain's desire for novelty to make sure that actually the, the novel experiences we have are life-giving. They're, they're with behaviors and uh, substances, so to speak, or material things that are actually going to be satisfying and fulfilling for our lives. And if they aren't, um, then we would be wise to probably avoid them because they are sure to lead us down that slippery slope where one thing leads to another, tolerance is built up with time, and before you know it, you are engaging in really extreme content that you would never have dreamt of when the journey first started. So that's a little bit about sort of how that dynamic plays out in a, an addiction context. I think it's very, you're, you're very good at explaining things at a level where people make sense, right? That's uh, processing that thought all the way through is, is, is a hard thing to wrap your mind around. The, the yeah. mental connection, what is triggering, triggering inside your brain, the dopamine responses and stuff like that. It, it's hard, right? Guys don't look at porn that way. That's, that's not, it's like, oh, click, hey, naked people, yay, I like this, right? We don't think about the science behind it. We don't think about, and I mean, the industry lives on this. Anybody yeah. who doesn't think the industry lives on this stuff is just fooling themselves, right? It's just like yep. the alcohol industry or the cigarette industry, the tobacco industry, they all understand exactly. They spend millions of dollars in advertising, playing to those emotional and subconscious responses, playing on your chemical responses in your brain that are triggered by what you see. And so I, I don't think most men think about these things because for most men, it's just on the surface, like, hey, naked people, who doesn't like naked people, right? Yeah. Um, no one's thinking about psychologically what that's doing, how that's impacting your brain, what chemicals that's releasing, the response is happening to you physiologically because of what you're seeing. And I, I think yeah. you're doing an excellent job in sharing that. So let me ask you, what are three practical steps someone can take today, right now, to begin their journey into recovery? Yeah, this is the right question. So uh, number one is you really do need to talk to somebody about it. And that's why I love that you built up some forums with what you're doing. Brent, because I think that's really powerful and really necessary. I would encourage the listeners to get in your forums, you know, get, get active in there if you don't have anywhere else. And if you do have people in your life that you trust, talk to them about it. You know, I've actually had some guys who have gotten a call with me and, you know, they're, they're interested in the program. We get talking and they say, you know, let me think about it. And while they think about the program, they decide to talk to a friend or something like that. And they come back to me and they're like, Bro, I don't know what happened, but I one thing led to another. I spoke to my friend. I've never felt this relieved in my life. Thank you for the program, but like I, I think I got what I needed so far. I'll let you know if anything comes back later. Mm -hmm. Nobody's ever reached out to me later because sometimes just the act of actually talking to somebody about it at least initiates that process enough that you can kind of get on your way 
and start experiencing some freedom. So that's the easiest thing you can do. Doesn't cost you a dime. Just start talking to someone. I think the second thing, and this is a really good question to ask. This, we ask this actually regularly in our groups. When somebody is struggling, when they've had a slip, we ask this question, what did porn offer you? What was it offering you? And, and don't, don't settle for like the, well, it was, it was giving me pleasure. It was giving me a sexual experience. What was it actually offering you? It was it giving you comfort. Was it giving you safety? Was it giving you stress relief? Was it giving you a sense of connection? Was it giving you a sense of hope? Like what was porn actually offering you in the moment? That's a great question to ask and probably the second practical thing. And the third thing, you know, we were talking earlier about being able to sort of get ahead of the curve, nipping things in the bud. If you can kind of identify like when I'm stressed, I go to porn, then it might be time to identify some better ways to manage your stress and ask yourself what else is out there. And uh, one of the best ways to do that is actually to journal and to just get in the process of writing out that what's going on in the inner life. This is a really hard thing for guys to do. We're not taught how to do this because guys are supposed to be rah-rah and macho and not have an inner life because that shows signs of weakness. Now, I totally, like, I don't, this message could actually get totally misconstrued and we could create a whole tribe of men that are super sappy, soft, and have no backbone. I, I'm not for that message at all. Uh, but I do think we need to develop an awareness of our inner life so we can handle ourselves and our relationships well. And I think a journal is a really good way to do that. And it's going to start to give you an idea of what was actually going on inside that drove you to watch porn or to even desire porn in the first place. And that's going to allow you to get ahead of the curve. So uh, these are the things that we talk about. Thanks for sharing that link there for the ultimate recovery guide. Uh, we share pretty extensively about that in there and, uh, and really try to give some practical steps. But I would say those are three good places to start. All right. Now, I want to get into your upcoming book. You have a book coming out in February. So right when this is airing, guys, uh, I want you guys to look for The Last Relapse by Sathya Sam. Yeah. So uh, the, the book is coming out. The book basically explains my whole system for getting free of porn. So if you're still not sure about me or uh, you don't maybe want to reach out to somebody, uh, you can just get the book. That it literally explains my whole system in detail. I give you all the practical tips I, and tools I possibly can. The book comes with a free workbook as well. So if you read the content and you're like, okay, this is good. I want to apply it a little bit more. You get a free workbook with it. It, it guides you and tells you how to get it. It's very, very simple. So you can literally go through my whole system, get guidance, get the practical steps, do the in-depth workbook material. And it will really launch you into a journey of recovery and ultimately a place of freedom. Yeah, it's available on all major distributors. And, and like I said, the goal from day one is to help guys walk in their calling, fulfill their purposes, and really live a meaningful life in their relationships, in their businesses, or their, their vocations, and in their spirituality. And um, that's why I wrote The Last Relapse, is to help guys take control of their life, get pornography and all the other sexual misbehavior out of the way so they can move on and do the things that they're supposed to be doing here. Now, guys, he uh, breaks it down in his book. And so this is something that you can, I, I know some of us don't like to sit down and read, right? Some people love to read. Other people are like, oh, a book. He breaks it down into sections in the book about taking control back in your life, about healing from your past. As we talked about earlier in the show, usually addiction is a response to pain, either numbing that pain or moving through it, regaining your confidence. Guys, he's got this broken down chapter by chapter. I feel very blessed. I got an early copy of the book uh, so I could start going through it. And full disclosure, I haven't finished it yet. 
but I've started working my way through it. Guys, it's, it's a great book. He's got some incredibly value information here. I highly encourage you. We'll list it on the website as soon as it's fully available. So you guys will be able to link to it off our website as well to get you a copy. Guys, if you are struggling with this, I know one of the easiest things is to be embarrassed, to be ashamed. We are taught to be shamed about these things. We are taught that this is shameful, especially if you grew up in a religious background. You are taught that porn is this dirty, shameful thing. And so often you don't want to reach out for help. I, I have a friend who was a minister for years and still is who had to take off a year and actually go to recovery counseling because of his own porn addiction. And it all wow. shattered his life. This wasn't even a young guy. This was a guy who was older than me and he had struggled with it for years and no one knew until he got caught. And, mm -hmm. you know, for him coming face to that, it just was life altering because here he was supposed to be a spiritual leader and he was fighting his own battle and he was fighting all alone. Yeah. You don't have to do that. There are resources, guys. You don't have to be ashamed. You can reach out to Sathya and his group and they will help you walk through it. And it is discreet. They will be discreet starting out. I assume at some point in the program that they're going to need to bend some bridges and, you know, reach out to someone to help them be accountable besides just you the yeah. guys. He's not going to be like, okay, the first thing you need to do is go tell everybody, you know, that you got a problem. Yeah. That, that's not what you're going to run into. So please look into his book, look into his website as we shared earlier in the show. I'll show you guys that again. If you're watching on the video, check that website out. He's got information on there. He's got resources that you guys can reach into. I'm grabbing the wrong stuff here. This is what happens when I touch the video instead of letting my wife do it. <laughs> now, Sophia, you have a long journey ahead of you. And guys, you need to check out his podcast. Like I said, I was really enjoying that. I subscribed to it earlier because uh, I was enjoying his podcast. The Unleash the Man, or sorry, The Man Within podcast, guys. Uh, I was enjoying that earlier today and yesterday. He is putting out information right now. If you're not ready to make that jump, right? And actually talk to somebody. He is putting out stuff on his podcast to help you, to encourage you, to support you because he knows that it's embarrassing for a lot of people. So guys, this is someone you can really connect with and I encourage you to do that. Sophia, what's next for you? Um, wow. Well, first of all, thanks for all the nice things you just said about me. I really appreciate it. And I wanted to mention that the, the book is also available in audiobook. So for those of you who don't want to read, um, you can listen to it. I think what's next for me, honestly, um, you know, on, on the business side, the world, would, uh, the word would be scale. Uh, we really want to scale this thing. We've been working hard to kind of refine our systems and make sure what we're doing is good and that we could kind of handle more clients. We're ready to really get the word out now. I'm doing a book tour in Europe later this year. Wow. And um, yeah, yeah, you know, doors are really starting to open up because it's no secret. This is a, a global issue. And I really, I, I'm, I guess I'm naive enough to believe that we can actually make a difference in this, in this area and we can actually start to see the numbers go the other, the other way. I know I can't do it alone. So one of my big things is, is making friends with everyone who's in this space, yourself included. Because I know, like, I'm not trying to be the hero. Uh, that would be really foolish. 
Um, but I know that together, you know, if we if we all band together and really try to help guys uh, live, you know, more fulfilling lives, you don't have to specialize in porn addiction, but just helping guys, you know, enter their identity, their sense of self, and really make a difference in this world, find meaning in life. Uh, those things go a really long way to changing the narrative here. And that's, that's really what I'm all about. So those are some of the things that we're kind of focusing on in the days ahead. Well, A, first, let me say Audible, yay, audiobooks. I'm, I'm a big fan <laughs> of audiobooks. It's a uh, I didn't. I never knew anything about audiobooks. I I discovered audiobooks in 2020. Man, it's been just a game changer because I'm I'm so yes. busy reading. Is sitting down and reading can be very difficult. I love audiobooks. So Bravo! I think that was a brilliant choice to move forward with that uh, for your book. I think that will open a lot of doors for men who wouldn't be able to read it otherwise. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to say, hey, we need more naivety. We we need more people who believe they can make a difference, <laughs> who will actually try to make a difference because uh if, if that's what it takes to try to make a difference then we need more naivety in the world for sure where can yeah. people find you yeah i think um it kind of depends on what your people are looking for but if you want if you just want a, a starting point um maybe not even the book the ultimate recovery guide's the best way that's completely free of charge that has the five classic mistakes that guys make we talked about some of those today and five best practices instead uh, the book is there as well. Obviously, that's the last relapse, and that's available, uh, you know, worldwide uh, through Amazon and other distributors. And there's an audio book as well. And if you are listening and you're like, okay, Cynthia, um, I think I do want to look at the program. I want to check it out more. You can go to my website, go to the coaching tab. We do vet people. We want to make sure that you actually want to do this and that you're going to be the right fit. So if you go to the website, you'll kind of see what we're about. There's a video you can watch and uh, that video explains everything. And if you feel like it's, it's what you want, you can book a call with somebody on our team. And then we can tell you a little bit more about what the program is, hear your story and your situation and figure out what the right step is moving forward. Are you on social media? Yeah, I'm on Instagram uh, primarily, but Facebook as well. And uh, you've mentioned my podcast as well. So um, I think that's a great resource as well if guys just want to kind of get plugged in a little bit. Okay. And guys, we'll have links to all that in the show notes and in the description. Just like always, we want you guys to be able to reach out and talk to our guests because we bring them here because we believe that they can help you in your life and in your walk as you make progress forward. We appreciate you spending the time with us today, guys, and taking the time to listen. Sophia, thank you for joining us on the Fallible Man podcast. And as always, guys, be better tomorrow because of what you do today, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Fallible Man podcast, your home for everything man, husband, and father. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show. Head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own Fallible Man gear.